If you are like me, you want to know the origin of your health problems, especially your gut health problems. So in 2017, I wrote a research paper on IBS. I was in school at the time for massage therapy, so when the time came to write a research paper, I knew I was going to choose IBS. I have a bachelor's in English, so I was a thorough writer and researcher of this paper, and I pretty much went above and beyond all expectations for this paper. When I wrote my paper, I had already been super sick for two years, and I had just started getting better thanks to my chance encounter with my pelvic floor therapist and now friend, Allegra. If you want to hear more about my history and story of getting better, check out episode one. But I still didn't really know why I was sick in 2017 or why what Allegra had done to me helped me get better. So I was in school and I wrote a paper. What I didn't know at the time that I wrote this paper was that this paper would later be the foundation of my book, Stop Stomach Pain, How to Heal Your Gut and End Food Restrictions. I always figured that if I wanted to write a book, I'd write a piece of fiction. Honestly, truly, yes, fiction. But I found something that was more impactful to me even than fiction, and that was health. True, real, good health. And so I wrote a book. In this episode today, I'll be sharing pieces of information from my book, Stop Stomach Pain, and plus some extra insights. I hope you love this episode today. Welcome to the Better Belly Podcast, where we find freedom from food restrictions, we increase energy in our lives, and we begin to feel healthy and vibrant again by finding the root cause of our gut health problems. My name's Allison Jordan, marathon runner, functional medicine practitioner, certified craniosacral therapist, gut health nerd, lover of Jesus, and owner of the Better Belly Therapies, a clinic based in Ann Arbor, Michigan that works with both virtual and local clients to help them achieve the best health of their life. I am here to walk with you on your journey to a better belly and a better life. We're going to go beyond popping a probiotic and checking out our poop. In this show, we are going to go deep into gut transformation strategies that last for life. If you're ready to feel your best, get ready to roll. You are in the right place. This episode today is going to be a little dense and full of information, but I really hope that it is accessible and also just informational that you walk away and feel that you understand IBS and honestly, even some other causes of other GI dysfunctions just a little bit better. So I'm going to just dive right in and we're going to get going. So there are three origins of IBS that I found in my research. And some people believe that these origins, there can be a mixture of all three in each person. Some people aren't sure how much each one is contributing to every person's experience of IBS. But there are three that are relevant to go over. And I'm also going to share with you what you can do in response to each one. Are you guys ready? Let's go. So number one origin of IBS or theory of origin of IBS is a muscular origin. So the reason that researchers decided that there might be a muscular aspect of IBS is that smooth muscle in our digestive system are what causes food to move in our GI tract. 
I think you guys have by now hopefully heard me talk about peristalsis, and it's the word, the name for this muscular coordinated movement that pushes food throughout our GI tract. But we have also discussed how peristalsis can become irregular. It can become slow. It can become spasmodic where it just clenches and then releases suddenly, which some of my clients totally experience where they say, oh, and then I just get these like random spasms of pain in my gut. That it can become spasmodic and it can become irregular where maybe instead of, you know, imagine you're trying to squeeze a toothpaste out of your toothpaste bottle instead of starting from top to bottom, the stomach is kind of squeezing at the bottom and then squeezing at the top. And by stomach, I don't just mean your stomach. I also mean the small intestines and the large intestines. And so in IBS, there's this noticeable difference in smooth muscle losing control of coordination and rhythm. And the other thing about that you should know about the muscles in our GI tract is that when we say they're smooth muscle, we're contrasting them to the muscle of our, um, like our biceps, this muscle that our biceps and our skeletal muscle that, you know, our thighs and our calves, they're all controlled by our conscious mind. And so we say, bicep, I want you to move and it should move. And, you know, sometimes we can strengthen it, we can weaken it, but ultimately it moves by our, our mind. Our GI tract on the other side, it's controlled by our autonomic nervous system. And if you notice in that word autonomic, you see the word kind of automatic, automate. So it happens automatically and in response to emotions and our nervous system state, do we feel, are we in fight and flight? Are we in rest and digest? Does our body think right now is a good time to be digesting food? And so that other fun facts that you should know is that our smooth muscle or our autonomic nervous system also controls our heart and it controls our blood pressure. How does it control our blood pressure? And this is what some researchers think that there's a muscular component to IBS, which is there is a very high correlation of people with low blood pressure who also have IBS. I have been diagnosed with IBS. I have low blood pressure. My mom has low blood pressure and has been diagnosed with IBS. I mean, so many of my clients, if they come in and they say, I have IBS or I have digestive dysfunction, I say, I'll just ask them, do you have low blood pressure? And a very high quantity of them have low blood pressure. They'll feel lightheaded when they stand up or they just go in and every time they get their blood pressure taken, it's just really low. And so there's a super high correlation with that. And our arteries, which is what controls our blood pressure, it just means that they are too relaxed. They're not contracting enough. And so the blood pressure as the blood's going through the body ends up being really low. And there's just a high correlation with people with IBS who have that. So in the gut, what we end up seeing is with constipation, the relaxation action of our smooth muscle dominates GI rhythms. And so our muscle is more relaxed than it is tight. And so it ends up not pushing food along and you get constipated. And with those who are more IBS with diarrhea or IBSD, the contraction action of smooth muscle dominates the GI rhythm. And so it's contracting too much and we're just pushing food out too quickly and then we aren't absorbing water and we're getting diarrhea and multiple bowel movements a day. So that is the, you know, muscular. And what can you do? So you're saying, Alison, if this is the case for me, what are some things I could do to help my smooth muscle? Well, smooth muscle is controlled by the autonomic nervous system. So a couple things you could do is one, meditate. Anything that calms your nervous system down, yoga, breathing techniques, praying, spiritual things that you might do for your own 
well-being and your mind, all those things are going to help our nervous system downregulate and hopefully would have a positive impact on your smooth muscle, not only of your GI system, but also of your arteries and hopefully your heart rate and all those good things. Other things that you can do is you can go and get craniosacral therapy. In episode five, the previous episode, I talked about craniosacral therapy and how it can was huge for my life and why it helps people with GI dysfunction of all sorts, IBS and also acid reflux and autoimmune disorders. Craniosacral therapy can help have a positive impact on our nervous system and help downregulate and make our sympathetic tone, which is our fight and flight response, lower. You can also want to make sure that you don't have any gut pathogens because gut pathogens like bacteria, yeast, parasites, they will increase cortisol in your body, whether you are meditating or not, because your body is sensing you have an infection. And unfortunately, when we go to the doctors and we say, I don't feel good, I'm having all these symptoms, and they might say, oh, you have IBS, they're not going to do a lab test typically. I mean, I never got one. None of my clients have ever gotten one where they do a lab test and say, well, do you have any pathogens? Do you have a parasite? The interesting thing, and the reason I mentioned pathogens is that I was recently <laughs> ran a lab test on myself uh, about six weeks ago, and I found out that I have a parasite. It's called Blastocystis hominis. And if you look it up on the internet, look up Blastocystis hominis and IBS, you'll find that there's a lot of research out there on Blasto, which we call for short, having a high correlation with IBS. They've looked at it in countries like Pakistan, Spain, and Great Britain, India, and the US. And they found that all these countries, they'll take just a huge group of people who've been diagnosed with IBS, just a random group of people. They'll all give them a stool test and say, do you have any pathogens? And depending on the country, there was a about a 50 to a 70% correlation of having the specific parasite, blasto, blastocystis hominis, and having IBS. Blastocystis gives a lot of similar symptoms of IBS. And unfortunately, a lot of conventional medicine says, you know, if you have blasto or you get exposed to it, you either get really bad symptoms, you come to the hospital and we deal with it with an antibiotic, or or your immune system takes care of it and it's gone and, and your symptoms should only last a few days or a week. But what we are finding out now is that blasto, it'll go into remission, it'll go quiet, it'll get worse when you're stressed and there's more cortisol flowing around and it's like, haha, now is an ideal time for me to be alive. And really, it's not an ideal for you for it to be alive. And so I found out I had blasto. I honestly think that I have had it since 2015 at least. I went to India in 2015. But also I went to Africa when I was a freshman in college or a freshman in high school. And that was in, gosh, should I tell you guys? <laughs> that was in the late 2000s. So I could have had blasto for a really long time. I mean, I've had IBS symptoms for a really long time and it definitely isn't helping my gut. Even if I have IBS as a separate condition, it's definitely not playing nice with me. So I'm dealing with it. And I am actually going to be doing an episode where I talk about how my treatment's been going because I've been feeling amazing. And I wasn't even feeling that bad these days, but I've been feeling even better. And so I will be talking about that in the future. But make sure you don't have any gut pathogens because that'll increase cortisol, a stress hormone in your body. And that will even make your nervous system go wacky. And no amount of meditation can stop the cortisol coming out when you're sick and infected. Other things you can do is you can have good boundaries. You can read the book Boundaries by Jonathan Townsend and Henry Cloud. It's a wonderful book. And having healthy relationships where you know how to say no to people and when to say yes, then you know that's going to over 
overall lower our stress. I know I'm a perfectionist. I'm a people pleaser. I like to say yes to things. And that can really stress the body out. Other things you can do is spend time with people who support you and fill you up. You can avoid people who drain you or talk negatively and complain. And that's a really big thing. Sometimes we're stuck with coworkers who are negative and complain, but we also want to be intentional that we spend time with people, either finding new friends and, and that can be a whole thing. Whatever age you are, if you reevaluate your friends and you say, hmm, maybe I need to be spending time with different people, but it's so worth it for your nervous system, for your GI health and for your overall just feeling of wellness in your body. You can exercise, which releases happy hormones, and that's also really good for helping your nervous system. And you can also take a food sensitivity test and see if you're eating foods that are stressing out your immune system and therefore your nervous system. So that is one origin of IBS and things you can do about it. A second origin of IBS is neurological. So since the nervous system regulates muscular contractions via our enteric nervous system and our central nervous system, an enteric nervous system is a fancy word for the nervous system that your gut controls. And I've also talked about that on other episodes and we'll continue to talk about it. So I'm not going to go deep into it today, but um, it's its own nervous system. But the nervous system regulates our muscular contractions. So a neurological malfunction might cause enhanced sensitivity to normal stretching of the intestines as food and gas passes by, resulting in IBS pain. When I read this, I was kind of like, felt like it was a little dismissive, like you're only feeling pain because you're sensitive. (laughs) So if you feel that way when I say this, I kind of feel this way about it as well. But it is something to consider if we're feeling pain, that maybe it's just we have a nice sensitive body. So a couple things that might be able to help though, craniosacral therapy. I know I've said it a million times. I'm going to continue talking about it because I still get it. I mean, I don't have to get it very often, but all my clients who come in with GI dysfunction, they all feel benefits in their body when they get it. So our craniosacral therapy, especially if you've ever had a concussion or a epidural or a spinal tap or fallen on your tailbone or like hit your head in a car accident, things like this, these affect your nervous system and any compression on your central nervous system is going to send signals to the rest of your body that things are just not okay. So if your spinal cord or your brain stem, if any of these things have uh, restrictions around them, around the meninges, and again, listen to episode five to hear more about the anatomy, it could really affect your neurological ability to handle pain, to handle stress, um, because those nerves are getting compressed potentially. You can get visceral manipulation, which helps the the nervous system in your your enteric nervous system, especially when we look at things like your mesenteric root, which is a big chunk of tissue that feeds blood and takes lymph vessels into the gut. And it also has a bunch of nerves in it. So that, um, just going to throw that word out there for y'all, but mesenteric root is really important. You've probably never heard of it. No one talks about it, but it attaches to your small intestine. And if that sucker is tight, you can have low back pain on top of the bloating and the gas and the food. And that's not going to make your nervous system very resilient or your nerves resilient to pain. So want that released. You can also look into good chiropractic care. If your bones of your spinal cord are misaligned, that puts stress on your nervous system and on your nerves, especially your spinal cord has nerves that exit at every junction and those sheaths of the nerves can get rubbed if you have spinal misalignment. So 
I also am going to qualify you on good chiropractic care. Not all chiropractors are the same. Um, and that is something that I talk with my clients about and something we can talk about in future episodes of how to evaluate a good chiropractor and what things to be looking for. But it's not to say if you do find a really good one, I even personally, I found one for neck pain and I ended up finding that a lot of my GI symptoms were going down and decreasing as he was having me do exercises daily to help train my muscles and my spine to be in a different alignment. And as I was doing them every day, I would find that my stomach would start to gurgle. I typically struggle with constipation. So I'd go to the bathroom and I'd be like, wow, I'm not eating anything different. I'm not taking probiotics or doing any extra supplement things. I'm just taking care of my body and my structural body and my GI system is doing better. So I'd constantly be hearing that the gut is more than food. The gut is more than supplements and probiotics. Your gut is responding to your nervous system, your state of mind, your previous injuries that you've experienced. It's your whole body. And it's a very sensitive creature, your gut. If you're struggling with IBS or other GI dysfunction, you might know that. Exercise, again, can also help with your neurological health. It moves lymph. You can strengthen your skeletal system so nerves have optimal living conditions. They're not in a toxic fascial environment, and they can move easily. Again, if you strengthen your skeletal system via your muscles, then your nerves aren't are less likely to be getting pinched and they're going to just have optimal health. And lastly, you can get myofascial release, another bodywork modality, because if nerves get trapped in fascia, and if you haven't heard of fascia, that's also a whole nother topic, but it is, I mean, fascia is everywhere in the body. And some people who are studying fascia, fascia is like a real quick, it covers our muscles and it connects our skin to our muscle and it connects our muscle to our bones. And it's between all of our organs and helps all of our organs slide over one another. Some people think that we have more fascia in our body than we have any other kind of tissue. And so nerves are kind of coming through. It's this matrix of supportive tissue that we don't control with our brain like we do our muscle. Our autonomic nervous system controls it. And so if you get scarring, um, surgery, repetitive motions, falls, collisions, all these things can make our fascia tight and that can create pain. Another thing that I just want to make a side note on, fibromyalgia, which has a strong correlation with GI dysfunctions and vice versa, IBS to fibromyalgia, that fibromyalgia also, there's some theories out there that it can also be helped by fascial release and that some of the pain experienced in fibromyalgia might be fascial related. And it's harder when we do typical exams, when doctors do their typical exams looking for why is someone experiencing pain, we don't have any super great ones for fascia. So that is just not something that they're thinking about. But myofascial release, craniosacral therapy and visceral manipulation, and honestly, chiropractic care can all help with fascial health. Fascia is spelled F-A-S-C-I-A, if you're curious. The third origin of IBS that we have theories out there is hormonal. So one of the reasons that they are throwing this out there with hormones being a basis of IBS is that women are two times as likely to have IBS as men. And that's just numbers. The number of people who have IBS in women is twice as much as men. Women without IBS, we also notice will often have fluctuations in their GI system during different parts of their menstrual cycle, resulting in different levels of bloating, gas, constipation, diarrhea, and even various feelings of hunger and fullness. And while hunger and fullness can be regulated by chemicals and bacteria, it also can be regulated by peristalsis, 
and how much food is just moving through the GI tract? And are we moving stool out of the system? Are we constipated? Are we bloated? And so um, women have the biggest fluctuation of hormones uh, compared to men. And so there's just a huge connection there. So what you can do if you are suspicious that hormones might be playing into it or you want to address that, I want to first say painful periods, so periods where there's nausea or cramping or headaches, painful periods are common, but they are not normal. Our periods do not have to be painful and that is just a huge myth out there that I found that is kind of like, oh, that just happens to you. That I was told by doctors, even in high school, in middle school, our health teachers say, well, this is just normal and it happens. And really, it doesn't. If you're estrogen dominant, you're more likely to have tender breasts during your period. You're more likely to have extra cramping and really heavy periods. And so it can also be progesterone dominant that can make you moody. It can give you headaches. So you want to make sure that you actually can do something about your period. And it's not just the pill or an IUD and getting rid of it. So a couple things you can do to help regulate your hormones, and especially for women, if you've noticed your period is not a great time of the month, these would be great things to think about. Sleeping regularly is one of them. Our hormones regulate at night with our circadian rhythm. So if you either don't go to bed at the same time, um, if you are going to bed some nights at nine or sometimes at 10, sometimes at 2 a.m., um, and then you're waking up at various times, that's really hard. And I understand some people, they work shifts, nurse or they work evenings, but not every night. That is just something that you can work with a hormone expert on and talk about how can you regulate your hormone even with shifts. But for the most part, if you aren't having something that's forcing you to stay up late at night, maybe like a crying baby or a job, (laughs) then sleeping regularly and going to bed at the same time and waking up at the same time are super helpful. Doing anything you can to support yourself to stay asleep during the night is also really helpful. And that's something I work with a lot of my clients on. There's lots of reasons we wake up in the middle of the night. Some of it can be liver related, more on that later. Some of it can be blood sugar related. So if you eat a low glycemic snack, so something that's not carby or sugary, so no fruit, no bread, but thinking like almonds, nuts, peanut butter, which is about the same thing, um, an egg, uh, things that are like protein, protein bars, something that has, again, be careful with protein bars because they tend to have a lot of sugar, but something that has more protein and fat and less carbs and simple sugars is going to be helpful. And so if there's blood sugar related problems at night, then that will help you stay asleep at night. And that's just a really quick uh, thing you can try. Other things is consider seed cycling. Uh, Seed cycling, you can go and research it, but I've been learning more about it. And it can help you take certain seeds and it helps boost levels, the correct levels of hormones you need at different points of your cycle. And that can help create either more regular periods or for women who aren't getting a period every 28 days or so. It can create um, healthier periods like a stronger one where you're bleeding more. It can create less painful periods where maybe less, fewer headaches, fewer cramps. And that's had a lot of, had a lot of people who've done that and seen a lot of progress in their hormone stability. You can also consider diving into ways to support your liver through taking supplements. And honestly, that is a whole nother thing, but your liver detoxes excess hormones. So if your liver is congested for any reason, and that could be your liver gets stressed out, it has lots of jobs. Sometimes we don't sleep through the night because liver is basically taking up extra jobs at night that it couldn't finish during the day. So if you wake up in the middle of the night around like 
2 to 4 a.m. and you're sweating, especially if you're sweating, your liver is turned on and is trying to deal with something, whatever it's not doing. And your liver is just huge, so it kicks out a lot of heat, hence the sweat. So that's a sign that you want to consider your liver. And this is that's something I love working with my clients with. And it's something we can have a, a podcast episode in the future of ways you can support your liver, help it decongest and be optimally work. So it's kicking out the bile it needs to, it's getting rid of the excess hormones, and it's binding up pathogens and toxins in your body. And lastly, you can get help from a hormone expert. You can read the book, The Fifth Vital Sign, or you can follow Dr. Jolene Brighton on Instagram. I love her. She has a book called Beyond the Pill, and it's about getting off of the pill for regulating your hormones and how to sustain healthy hormones on its own. You can also talk to me because I love helping people with not only their hormones, but how their hormones impact their gut and making sure they're healthy all over. And the last thing, there's three origins of your IBS, but I really wanted to mention a fourth thing kind of as its own category, but impacting the last three that we talked about, which is stress and trauma. The GI tract is closely connected to our emotions. You've probably all noticed butterflies in the stomach, feeling queasy, gut feelings. Our stomach is really more connected to our subconscious mind and our subconscious existence more than it is to our conscious. So I can even say, I'm not worried about this speech I'm about to give because everyone in the audience is my friend, or I've talked on this topic 10 times, whatever it is, but I can still feel butterflies in my stomach because my body subconsciously is saying, well, this is a somewhat threatening experience. What if you stutter? What if something bad goes on? And so we can have that all day where maybe you're in traffic and you're not necessarily super worried, but traffic is an alarming experience for us. And so our gut can respond to even just avoiding getting a car accident. And even light traffic can just be you're moving in a vehicle at, you know, anything more than 30 miles per hour is more than most people manage on a bike, right? So that's just a lot of speed to be controlling. So even that, just keeping in mind all the things that can cause stress and trauma. But really, if you're someone who can look back and you say, in my childhood, I had a chronic low levels of stress, which was my case with my anxiety and my depression, or you know you had very specific events that happened that were stressful to you. Sometimes it's divorce, sometimes it's moving, even like a positive or negative experience of moving, just how much goes on when we move and new cities and new jobs, all those things can really be stressful and it can get stuck in our body and our tissue and we can end up creating different coping mechanisms or not being able to cope at all. So a couple things that you can do, you can go get counseling if you never had counseling that can definitely help gut health is as you're helping your mind health. You can do try breathing techniques as we discussed with the muscular health um, and our autonomic nervous system. You can get craniosacral therapy or visceral manipulation, releasing psychosomatic connections. And I do not say psychosomatic in a bad way. I know some doctors will say, it's just psychosomatic. And I hope you hear the tone of voice that I'm using, but as, as if it makes it less real. But psychosomatic, a lot of people who are body workers and they study body or they study trauma, you can even look up the book, The Body Keeps the Score, which is a great book on the the body's connection to trauma or stress, 
that is going to be a great place where that's written by a psychologist. And he's saying you can't just treat psychological experiences, whether it's abuse or accidents or near-death experiences, you can't just treat that by talking about it or by psychotherapy. It also would be really great to treat it through the body because the body went through that traumatic experience as much as the brain did. And then anything you can do to help yourself self-regulate and self-soothe, whether that's, again, counseling can sometimes teach you those things. And then working with uh, sometimes life coaches or health coaches can help teach those things depending on the level of need that you need for self-regulation, self-soothing. But some things you can do like lighting candles, good scents, baking things, going for a swim, taking a shower. Self-soothing and self-regulating often means choosing something that is is positive for your body, for your senses, just going outside and looking at a sunset. Think about all of your five senses, your eyes, your nose, your mouth, so your taste, your skin, putting on fuzzy socks, putting on something warm, um, getting under a blanket. Weighted blankets are, are one of the things that we found is helpful for people with ADD, ADHD, anxiety, anyone who's on the autism spectrum, um, those things can help us self-regulate and self-soothe. So those are all great things that you can try to just help reteach your nervous system a new level to be at. I know my nervous system needed that. And again, I do want to say, if you're like, Allison, I do that. I do the yoga and I and I light all the candles and I take time to myself and I've been cultivating my relationships to have healthy ones and I've gotten counseling and I've tried to process the hard things in my life and really like learn how to integrate trauma and, and, and understand it and heal from it. I still have problems that you really want to think about. Are there chronic levels of hormone dysregulation? Are there pathogens in the gut? Is there something that, is there a barrier basically? And I call them a vital void. It's this invisible hole where there's a problem. And that's where I love to come in and help people. So if you have any questions and you are wondering, can you get better? Can I help? Am I the right person to work with? I would strongly encourage you, you can just go onto the website, betterbellytherapies.com and find a complimentary coaching call and sign up. And so it's complimentary. It's free. It's 30 minutes. That's betterbellytherapies.com slash chat and just set up that 30-minute call. I would love to chat with you. Well, I hope this episode has been so insightful for you. If you are intrigued by what I talked about, you can buy my book, which is Stop Stomach Pain, on our website, betterbellytherapies.com slash book. You can set up a complimentary call, or you could just follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Better Belly Therapies. We would love to be in conversation with you, hear any of your questions. If you have any episodes you want us to talk about certain things, we would love to hear from you. But if you loved this episode, we have so much more coming down the line. Subscribe so you never miss any information coming your way. And also, if this episode was impactful for you, take a screenshot and share it with a friend. I cannot count how many times when I tell someone I'm a gut health therapist that they say, oh, I know someone who needs you. So send that friend a love note to their gut and do us a favor and pass this podcast along with them. And with that, I would love to end you guys with one of my favorite quotes. Miracles are immediate, but healing takes time.